Welcome to Black History 365 The Throwdown, a series where I explain, educate, and explore historical events on some black figures in world history and recount the struggles and triumphs of black people worldwide. I'm your host, Yusuf Fursi, and in this episode, I'll be presenting the story of the lynching of Laura and L.D. Nelson. From 1880 to 1930, the darkest periods of American history was on full display in the South, and its brutality that led to numerous murders were in the form of lynchings. And this is why this time period has come to be known as the lynching era. After the Civil War, acts of violence dramatically increased to the point where it was a normal occurrence. And what I mean by that is that whites would make coal and collect souvenirs from every lynching. Furthermore, thousands of victims had to endure unfathomable torture and death even though they had nothing to bring that fate upon themselves. Intimidation was the way to control these victims and it was a byproduct of the ingrained racism of many whites who lived in the South. In this period, any minute act could bring a person of color to their demise. For example, Rosewood, Emmett Till to name a few. In the case of Laura Nelson, it was May 2nd, 1911. Three men under the eyes of the Ofusky County Deputy Sheriff George Looney went to search the house of Laura Nelson. Laura and her husband Austin were suspected of having stolen a cow and butchered it. Austin Nelson admitted to the crime as the meat was found in their possession during the search. Laura's husband stated in regards to him stealing the cow, he had nothing for his children to eat. While Sheriff George Looney was searching the Nelson's house, he discovered a loaded musket that hung on the wall of their cabin. Firmly, the sheriff demanded it and urged that it be unloaded. With this, officers stated that Laura reached for another gun and from his the hands of her teenage son, L.D. Nelson. This is when a struggle began between the sheriff and L.D. in trying to con- gain control of the gun. Unfortunately, in L.D.'s wrestle with Sheriff Looney, the gun went off. The bullet hit Sheriff Looney in the leg and killed him. Laura's husband, Austin, fully admitted to the act of stealing and killing the livestock and stated that Laura was only reaching for this weapon to retrieve her from her son before an altercation would begin. This statement from Austin Nelson led him immediately to a penitentiary, which is what in actuality saved him from a lynch mob. But with Austin's statement taking full personal blame in the hopes of keeping his wife and son from punishment, he was indeed disappointed Unfortunately, his confession did not keep them from harm. Both Laura and L.D. were arrested and put in the Ofusky County Jail to await trial for the murder of Sheriff Deputy George Looney. Even though Laura pleaded for his son, innocence, they remained in jail. While days passed for Laura and L.D. in jail, on May 24, 1911, a mob of some 40 men descended upon the jail. 14-year-old L.D., and his mother, Laura Nelson, were dragged from their cells in that Oklahoma City jail and put into wagons. They traveled six miles outside of the city and then they entered a Negro settlement. Once there, the mob of men using tow sacks gagged both LD and Laura. Laura was then raped and then the mob took her to the Canadian River Bridge where she was hung by a noose made of hemp. Only 20 feet away on the bridge, L.D. was also hanged, with his clothes partly torn from his body. 
Their bodies remained on the bridge overnight until discovered the next day by a young boy passing by. While lynchings were said to be a secretive activity, this one of Laura Nelson and her son seemed to prove otherwise. It was as if the perpetrators were immune from the law. This quote-unquote secret lynching is what led to monstrous photographs that were taken of Laura and L.D. Nelson. The lynching of Laura Nelson and son that started off as a photograph taken by the local photographer of the town, George Henry Farnham, soon transitioned into becoming a popular lynching postcard. They were widely distributed despite the ban on violent mail by the Postal Service. These lynch postcards proved to be very profitable and some individuals even sold them as door-to-door salesmen. The spread of racism paralleled the spread of these postcards as it allowed people to be quote-unquote involved with these lynchings without physically having to be present. It heightened the idea that white supremacists had the power and control in society as they sought to spread their bigotry throughout the country. The impact of these lynchings have continued for many decades and in one case, they have continued in an irony of history. Woody Guthrie, who is said to be one of the most influential modern folk music artists, made his mark. Through his music, he portrayed his thoughts on lynching by condemning it. Guthrie was born only a year after the lynching of Laura and L.D. Nelson, but their story impacted him later on in his life when he began to develop his anti-lynching music. Guthrie was struck to produce this music when inspiration hit him in an art gallery. It was the mid-1930s and now the lynchings caught by the photographs that were originally used to popularize them were being used in art exhibits to inspire anti-lynching actions. Artists such as Thomas Hart Benton and Jose Clemente Orozco produced paintings, drawings, and prints that were shown in two major exhibits. These exhibits were sponsored by the National Association for the Advancement. For the organizers of, the, of these exhibits, these two galleries ho- hoped to educate the population and criminalize these acts as the crimes they had always truly been. Woody Guthrie attended and witnessed these art pieces himself, and from this he expressed, this painting is so real, I feel like I was at a lynching, and it takes all the fun and good humor and a good sport out of you to colored people and even by the Communist Party to highlight the tragedy and extreme horror that lynch mobs brought to the United States. Sit here and realize that people could go so haywire as to hang a human body up by a gallus pole and shoot it full of Winchester rifles just for pastime. This interaction also made Guthrie remember some horrors from his own childhood. Woody Guthrie says, it reminds me of the postcard picture they sold in my home towns for several years a showing showing that would present you a negro mother and her two young sons hanging by the neck from a river bridge and the wild wind a whistling down the river bottom and the ropes stretched tight by the weight of their bodies stretched tight like a big fiddle string the postcard that woody guthrie was recalling was indeed the one of laura and ld nelson While Guthrie was incorrect in his claims that there had been three individuals, he let this memory and his viewing of the artwork allow him to create music inspired by 
the Nelson postcards and the gruesome event of that May day in 1911, Guthrie wrote the song, Don't Kill My Baby and My Son, which tells of Guthrie's remembrance of this of his past as he expresses in his lyrics that he heard the quote-unquote lonesome moan of Laura crying out. You can stretch my neck on that old river bridge, but don't kill my baby and my son. I'm going to uh, recite some of the lyrics from that song. As I walked down that old dark town in the town where I was born, I heard the saddest lonesome moan I ever heard before. Oh, don't kill my baby and my son. Oh, don't kill my baby and my son. You can stretch my neck on that old river bridge, but don't kill my baby and my son. Then I saw a picture on the on a postcard show the Canadian River Bridge, three bodies hanging to swing in the wind, a mother and two sons, they'd lynch. What is most ironic and even more significant about Woody Guthrie producing a song in remembrance of Laura and her son L.D. Nelson was that Woody Guthrie's own father, Charles Guthrie, is said to have been one of the many men in the mob that claimed Laura and L.D.'s lives. No one is certain that whether Charles Guthrie was a strong participant, or if he was simply a witness to the crimes. While Charles Guthrie stood for lynching and proclaimed white power, his son rose up against all of it. Woody Guthrie even admits that well into the 1920s, his father was a long-standing member of the Ku Klux Klan, but maybe it is this as well that pushed Woody to keep making music that stood against everything his own father practiced. Guthrie was shocked by all the violence against black people, especially the one of L.D. and Laura Nelson, even when this lynching had occurred over a year before Woody was born. Guthrie wanted to make his music powerful and wanted it to linger in everyone's minds. He often even included the graphic images from the lynchings, especially the postcards of L.D. and Laura Nelson. Woody Guthrie took this anti-lynching movement into his music to contrast a culture in America that was still strongly racist. Guthrie took his scarred memories of being raised in a racist environment and used his experiences to create a message of hope for change. The lynching of Laura Nelson is just one of the thousands that occurred during this, this era. Even more despicable acts of torture came to the others. Women such as Mary Turner, who I did an episode on, she didn't commit no crime, was doused in gasoline just before her unborn baby was cut from her womb to be stomped into the ground. Sam Hose, who was killed by a mob after defending himself from an attacker, had his fingers, ears, and genitals cut from his body before the mob set him on fire. The lynch mob then fought over who got to keep his bones as souvenirs. The lives lost during this time period was lost in a way that resembles a national demonic nightmare. Many Americans celebrated these acts as moments of white pride and power, but this 50-year period of agonizing murder is the longest compared to all other countries that have faced attacks on others for their ethnicity. It is horrific facts like these in our country's history that compel us to face them and not allow them to be ignored or forgotten about. These 
Thousands of lives that matter were taken because of pure racist hatred. And it is crucial as a country that these acts will serve as a reminder of where we once were and where we should promise never to return. And this concludes this episode. For more information on this podcast, you can check out my blog set out Black History 365 to throw down at WordPress.com. You can find episodes from all seasons on there. This show is made possible by Anchor, which is providing a great and easy-to-use service for new and seasoned podcasters. If you enjoy learning something new from the show, then make sure to subscribe on Spotify or whichever platforms you listen to your podcasts on. By doing this, you'll stay up to date on my future episodes. And remember that Black history should be learned about and celebrated every day and not just in 28 days. So stay educated and thank you for listening. I'm your host, Yusuf Fursi, and until the next episode, peace.